When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. I'm Phil Kerbride, and with me as ever, Dave Prentice, Gavin Buckland, and the return of Tony Scott. On the agenda today, one Roberto Martinez, the old Everton manager, the new Everton manager, Marco Silva, lack of signings, and of course, the pursuit of players such as Kieran Tierney and Yeri Mina. So we'll kick it off with the the old, if you like, of this podcast before we go into the new. Um, Prenner, before we discuss Roberto Martinez's performance with, as Belgium coach in this tournament and how they got on last night, why do you think there's still a fascination with Roberto? Oh, good question. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's because it's very, very difficult to pin down whether he's a good manager or a lucky manager or a, a bad manager. I mean, at Everton, there were two such stark contrasts to the football that we saw. There was that, you know, first season where, you know, the Gladys Street were chanting, you know, the school of science is on its way back. They were loving what they were seeing. Uh, you know, very, very, you know, near miss on, you know, qualifying for the Champions League. You know, probably as close as we've come since, you know, 2004 five. And then the way it fell apart so spectacularly, you know, a manager that couldn't seem to be able to organise a team that could defend a dinner, let alone, you know, sort of defence. It was, it was, you know, just such stark parallels. And again, international level, you know, it was only last November that his own players were kicking off saying that, you know, tactics were wrong and Mexico had outthought them and, you know, you know, basically outfoxed them and they were going to have all kinds of trouble with, you know, def- uh, teams like Mexico. And then, fair play, hold me hand up because, you know, we have criticised him in the past. He made tactical tweaks during the World Cup that were successful. You know, he, he used the old uh, Lukaku against Nacho Monreal tactic uh, to you know stop Marcelo raiding forwards, and it worked a treat against Brazil. He made two inspired substitutions against Japan. You could argue how he allowed you know Brazil, Belgium to get in a position like that in the first place, but he made two proactive substitutions that worked and got them through into the other uh, semi-final. And then I didn't see last night's game. I was unfortunately I was over at Prenton Park watching Loris Carius throw one in again. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know. I'm I'm led to believe that you know it wasn't you know a particularly inspired Belgian performance. So it is such a divisive character. You know, is he a great manager? Is he you know a manager that can't quite cut it? It's difficult. There is a fascination on him because of that. Tony's over two years ago since he was sacked. Why? Why do we still talk about him as much as we do? Why? Why is Roberto almost is talked about in the last few weeks? You know, as as Marco Silva has been. You know, there isn't that isn't that level of obsession with with Ronald Koeman, so to speak, is there? It's because he's the manager of Belgium and in, in the World Cup semi final. I look at it and listen. He's done he's done a great job in his first season. Obviously, a lot of my solidarity there at the back, and all all his all his efforts were to obviously get Everton going forward on the attack and he he, he left that Moyes solidarity didn't he the, the bases and the defence that David Moyes left there so it was a perfect combination and Everton have been grasping for that ever since obviously the attack and flair of Martinez but the defensive unit of Moyes and we haven't got there since so that was that was the perfect season for us 
what unraveled two seasons after was just everything that sums up Roberto Martinez to a T. Just left holes in the defence, just attacking teams when you're three 0 up. Just seeing the game out. How many times do we see Everton lose two two goal leads and just conceding losing three two? Um, enormous amount of times and let me fast forward then to the World Cup and let's not forget here by the way that Roberto Martinez left Everton two bottom half finishes don't forget two bottom half finishes he had one good season out of three and he was obviously eventually sacked and that was probably more hostile than I've ever ever seen it and we, we can talk about Sam Allardyce and Ronald Koeman that last game Roberto Martinez's tenure was absolutely so, I've never seen it more hostile in my life and um, obviously we're talking about the World Cup as well in, in terms of Roberto Martinez. He got away with that against Japan. He really, really did. They were two 0 down, and yet he threw thrown the kitchen sink and balls were in the box here today. And he got away with it big time. And he got away with that against Brazil as well because Brazil should have had a penalty. That wasn't made a two till two two rather. And Brazil were on obviously would have probably won and to win in the win the game. Next last obviously last night semi final they were beaten. And probably beaten by the better team, in my opinion. So, Roberto Martinez, in, in, in what I'm saying is that he's not a good manager at all. He got away with it in his first season. Obviously, took Wigan down, don't forget. And after all them years of trying, it goes hard, very hard to do, keep Wigan in the Premier League. Well, Steve Bruce and Paul Jewell do, done, done a very good job. Yeah, he won the FA Cup. I'm not taking that away from him. But in terms of a good manager, no, he's not. He's not. And listen, if he gets the sack from Belgium, where does he go from there? He's not getting a job in the Premier League. Gav, could he get another job in the Premier League? Yeah, absolutely. Who? Martinez. Who's going to have him? I don't know. <laughs> a team that needs a manager. If a team wants to get relegated. Well, I'll just say, you know, we're looking at it from, uh, we're looking at it from like the inside looking out, aren't we? Or whatever. Even. From the experience of having yeah, yeah, football for yeah, a couple yeah, of years. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, served up. Um, other clubs may look at it a bit more generously, to be honest with you. And at a time when. You've spoken on the pod, and this is now like a, an important theme in football. On, on a time when people are playing premium amounts for tickets and knowing that they're not, not going to get in the top four, uh, if you've got a half decent team and you're looking for a manager who's going to entertain you and please the fans, and I think he'd, he'd fit he'd fit the bill. Uh, to be honest with you, um, and I, he would definitely be on the radar. For if, I'm not going to say, can't name clubs, I'm saying that. His style of football, if you're a team outside the top four and you want your fans to be entertained, because that's, that's what fans want these days, if you're not going to challenge for, for Europe or whatever, then he would be a manager at that club. Well, top, 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 top of the head stuff, top of the head yeah. stuff, and it might be a lazy comparison, but say Bournemouth were looking for a new man. Say Eddie Howe yeah. moved on. He'd, he'd relegate Bournemouth after two or three years. No doubt about but it. He relegated I, Wigan. He I, would have took Everton down how eventually. How many managers? How many managers have relegated clubs and then been reappointed in the same division? Quite a few. Oh, frequently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I mean, oh, that shouldn't necessarily mean that you know it, it bars you from doing doing a job. Eventually, I mean, Gavin. Like, eventually, would you think he had took Everton down eventually? No. The way he was playing. No. Of course, he wouldn't have. I'm not so sure, but I, think I, 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 I saw I saw a nice uh, tweet from a Wigan supporter uh, last week. It was supportive and it was generous, and obviously they still think highly of him there because you know he did something you know no Wigan manager's ever done before in the history of the club, and they just said that you know it will always be a roller coaster ride with uh, Roberto, uh, and that, that they didn't mind that you know they didn't mind going to White Hart Lane and conceding nine goals if they're going to win you know uh, an FA Cup final at the end of it. Bigger clubs won't accept that, and so yeah, you know you could get a job. But it would be, you know, at a club where expectations are significantly reduced. But on, this you know, is what I'm saying. Everton. That's what I'm saying. He's not going yeah. to get like a sort of, as you say, a top eight club. Say or something. Yeah. He's, going, he's going to get a middle ranking or lower ranking club 
whose fans want to be entertained. Somebody's like bought the pants off them as a manager, you know, <laughs> name with no names, here, like, you know, and they want somebody to bring in a little bit of glamour or whatever. He'd definitely be on. on well, the as a, a mad one, would yeah. you rather watch a big Sam team or a Roberto team? Oh, we had this last season, <laughs> didn't we? Um, do you know what right it's be, it depends what owners will look for is that I wanted to keep my team in the Premier League yeah. now how many owners are out there look at Roberto Martinez and look at Sam Allardyce and go do you know what which one do I want managing my football club so no one's going to touch Roberto Martinez go, I'm not, I can't take a risk here so that's the uh, that's correct that would be the owner's course, response yeah. but as a supporter which would you rather but see the, uh, an owner Owner of a Premier League club these days, if if they are sort of clued up, will have one eye at least on what their supporters want, mm. and, and look at the, shall we say, even the owner of Goodison would be uh, one that you would um, you would put in there about what your supporters want. But they'll have a look at the finances first before anything, Gavin. If they go out to the Premier League, then it's... Yeah, but Martinez doesn't guarantee you going out to the Premier League. It's, it's, it's the same before. There's loads of managers who've had lengthy Premier League careers who've been, ma- managed, who've been relegated two or three times. I think we're just being harsh on them here. Gav obviously here. forgets them Anfield derbies, by the way. I'm not... Yeah, but getting beat Anfield is one thing. Getting relegated is, is another. Lots of teams have got beaten 4 nil at Anfield. But what I'm saying is, is that he is... I, I take um, I agree with Preno to a point that he is like still a bit of a movable feast as a manager, isn't he? You don't really know. But he, in answer to, to Phil's question, he is a manager that will be on Premier League clubs' radar this this season. Not necessarily on the top end of the scale, but definitely you'd be a fool not to. I mean, he, what this experience of managing Belgium in a, in a semi-final is not going to do you any harm. In terms of being a manager, is it really? Yeah, it's the comments. Well. It's the comments after no, defeated, I get that, I get that. and it winds fans up. And even yesterday, they were just being beaten in a World Cup semi final. It was, oh, let's look to the third and fourth place playoff. It is. The country's he's, on the floor. He, he wants to hear that. He's a massively divisive figure. I'm not going to yeah. name names here, but I know there are people at Everton currently that absolutely love the guy. Still, the people at Everton there, they've got no time for him. Yeah, uh, he is. He's an incredibly divisive individual. For such an apparently, you know, engaging and charming individual, you know, he does divide. You know, people all the time. Yeah, and it'll forever be like that, I think. But it'd be interesting to see his expert, Belgium experience's impact mm. on, him, on him if he goes back to the club. Fahad Mashiri uh, joined the football club in February 2016. Sort of three months later, Roberto was shown the door. I'm going to put this one to Tony, and then I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask the rest of you. If, so, Roberto Martinez had been given over £200 million to spend over four transfer windows as... Kuman and Sam Allardyce had been done. You know, riches that he hadn't been able to, to use in his tenure at Goodison. Do you think he would have actually had Everton consistently pushing for fifth and four in, in, in the top four as he had done in the first season? No. No way. Don't forget, Roberto Martin spent the best part of 100 million himself, by the way. I'm not taking away the signings, we're really good. Obviously, Romelu Lukaku, etc. But he still spent a few quid himself. And in the end, as I just touched on, left Everton in the bottom half with the fans unrest. And he, listen, he had one good season out of three. And I get, I'll take that on board that if he spent 200 million on, on, on players. But he was still given a good transfer budget over the time he was there. Now, I look at it in, in, any, in any football club in the Premier League who gets one good season. And then a disaster season straight after, and then another one, and then feel hard done by that he was sacked. No, no, I'm not having, I'm not having him at all, Phil. Honestly, I'm just 
do you know what? Really? <laughs> in yeah, that didn't come yeah, across. Yeah. I, I wonder why you directed that question to Sony <laughs> first. <laughs> <laughs> I just, what's he got? No, I mean, his transfer record is mixed, I think. It's funny, actually, I heard a little story the day that I didn't know at the time that uh, when Emerson signed Romelu Lukaku on loan, apparently they'd uh, made an inquiry to Chelsea about Demba Barr and uh, they were trying to sign him. And, you know, Chelsea were out, no, you know, he's not for sale. But, you know, Lukaku, the guy who was on loan at West Brom, you know, might be able to do something there. And he didn't want to leave West Brom. You know, he felt comfortable and secure there. And, you know, Roberto was made aware that uh, you know he could sign Lukaku was absolutely thrilled at the prospect and you know said yeah, yeah you must must try and get him uh, but you know the club had to convince him that it was a good idea coming to Everton you know which obviously they did by saying you're going to get regular 90 minutes which he wasn't getting at West Brom he was more of a bit part player so we did and signed so that was a sensational signing you have to you have to give it to Martinez that was a brilliant signing but for every one of them yeah. there's an email there were, the there were. Well. I mean McCarthy was also a, a decent signing but equally there were the Runaconis the Anthony Alcarazes mm. Gareth Barry is an excellent signing Gareth Barry was superb yeah I mean but then McGeady and Atu again it's like this, there's mm. no middle ground with Roberto it's either <laughs> yeah, yeah. success or torrid failure yeah, yeah. and uh, his signings were exactly the same they were either brilliant or they were hopeless mm. but the guy had to go you know so he was you can't ever accuse him of not having ambition because he tried to play football the right way he didn't you know he didn't succeed but uh, he's an interesting character why we're still talking about him now yeah. Gav just staying on, on, on that theme of, of what he had to spend he's, he's, you know, his biggest spend was was 28 million quid on, on Lukaku and, and that was pretty much it for that summer other than Besic and a couple of others 28 million pounds for the last two Everton managers has been a drop in the ocean you know that, that's that's nothing money in today's football so you know, yeah. with the resource that Farhad and the football club have now been able to offer the other managers since Roberto's sacking is he not got a right to be sat there thinking God, if I'd had that money. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's an incest one. He doesn't strike me as, as I say, I can still see him doing a job for the Premier League low down. He doesn't strike me Roberto. And again, it goes back to what we were talking about then, about him difficult to tie down as somebody who could build up a football club, you know, could really inspire a football club to go from A to, to B, mm-hmm. like the sort of like sort of role we want Silver mm-hmm. to do. He doesn't strike me as a manager who do that. He strikes me as somebody who can manoeuvre around the working parts of the, the team and his style but then Gordon Lee would be like that Preno as, as an Everton manager would be one compared to Gordon Lee yeah, yeah, yeah. Martinez he'll play, <laughs> play decent football for a bit yeah. didn't he no. yeah. but, you know, but, but in terms of could come in and get players yeah. working but when you want to take that next stage yeah. up like you, you haven't got it in you as a manager uh, and that's one of the reasons why I think he's done reasonably well as Belgian manager because the, the, the raw materials there for him he couldn't have done what Gareth Gareth Southgate's done as England but it, give, him a, give him something that's working reasonably well and let, give him an opportunity to put his own spin on things I think mm. that's that's his main strength as a manager Go giving him a load of money and then having to rebuild things and think strategically and plan I don't think that's in him I think he's more of a coach isn't he than a, than, than a manager and I think um, he, I don't think he would have worked for Evan if he'd have stayed on even if they'd come in from Wigan in 2000 and 
15 say well whatever it was Mercedes 16 so coming from Wigan in 2016 I don't think it would have worked because I don't think he don't think he's that type of strategic thinking manager yeah and arguably the manager who is that type of manager is Sam Allardyce you know who can build and was you know trying to put things very very slowly in yeah. place unfortunately it was just abysmal to watch <laughs> Uh, you know, it is an interesting character to have had a manager over the last uh, few years, like so wildly different. Yeah, from, from what you've seen so far, and it, this was a comparison that was made at the time, what do you think the differences between Silva and Martinez as, a, as managers are? I hear in Reed, um, as well as, as Marco rightly talking up the fact that he wants to be a, an offensive team and, and aggressive and pressing he constantly comes back to talking about organisation being the base point and if you're organised then you can go from there and I don't think necessarily that that was Roberto's focus yeah. was it and I think that's a fair that's a fair yeah. comment yeah. I think with Silva he understands the need to have the team sorted organised know their jobs first and then take it forward so with any any luck, he'll be you know he'll be somewhere in between. Well, he won't be Martinez, but he won't be Allardyce. He'll be that natural middle ground. He's got plans behind him as well, hasn't he? You know, so of that, course, that's, that's yeah. the thing. I still have a nightmare about that West Ham home game oh. and the pod after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you can list that's that season we were just talking about before yeah. we started recording. You could list five, six games yeah. where that season, Bournemouth, Stoke. Chelsea, Chelsea, West Ham, oh, eighteen yeah. points given away from a winning position. Yeah, but then it, that, that he refused to identify that, yeah. and that's more annoying than anything. He, he he must have seen the problem thing. Our game management here is terrible. What do I need to do to sort this mess out? And he refused to identify, refused to practice set pieces in training, defending them. He said that's not part of the game. What kind of comment to them? It just wound Evertonians up in the end. And they ended up going out of the World Cup to a set piece. Exactly, so the irony of that. Mm. Irony of it. And speaking of that, look, there was huge expectation on this Belgium team of their golden generation from inside Belgium and from, from world football that, that they probably could go and win the tournament. So, do you think Roberto could be fearing for his job? You'd imagine not. I mean, uh, I know they've got an incredible group of world-class players and they're expected to do well. But I think, you know, getting to a World Cup semi-final is pretty much an achievement. You know, if you are at the tournament right till the end, which they will be, they'll be in the third and fourth place playoff on Saturday. I mean, when England did that last in 1990, there were, you know, absolutely millions in the streets greeting them at Luton Airport, you know, when they came home. It wasn't the same expectation so, on England in 1990s? Well, quite the opposite, no. I mean, they, they wanted Bobby Robson sacked before that tournament yeah. and, uh, and got their, their wish in the end. Um, but, yeah, not the same expectations. But, no, I don't think he'd be fearing for his job. I wouldn't imagine so. But, you know, modern football is so unforgiving. Uh, you'd never ever rule it out but I, I can't see that I, I think he, you know, he's had a decent tournament he's, he's almost like reinvented himself and you know they, we described him as the comeback king of the World Cup the other day and I think he probably has I think he'll finish this tournament with his reputation enhanced rather than tarnished and of course he's been able to bring together that talented Belgian squad in a way that Mark Wilmot wasn't able to the Euros Ch- true and another little word while we're here you know talking about you know Everton past Marouane Fellaini, who I always had a lot of time for, you know, yeah. as an Everton footballer, and I know he's a bit of a curious tag of a player that you know some people hate, some people you know don't. Uh, you know, he's good enough for, for Manchester United, and you know, done well there. Uh, I, I think he had a great World Cup again. Yeah. I know the focus will be on him because he was out jumped by Amtiti, and he just switched off fatally for a split second. But I just think he's had a great tournament. Um, you know, he's a player that could still do a very, very good job at Everton. Yeah, Tony, just on Fellaini, then do you think it's interesting that 
he's become quite a, a, a big part of the Belgian squad throughout this tournament and the way it's mm. progressed. But actually, Roberto allowed him to, to leave, didn't he? He did, yeah, he sold him. And I, I look at all the managers that have been in at Manchester United since, and obviously Mourinho loves him as well, yeah. plays him every single week, and all these managers can't be wrong if they keep on picking him. I, I loved him at Everton. I think he was absolutely brilliant, and there's not many players that kind of shoved Tim Cale out of his number 10 role, so to speak, and he done it. Mm. I thought he was brilliant for us. I, we were speaking with him on social media, he the week. Idea, there was yeah. one game at uh, play Manchester United on the first game of the season yeah. Monday night wasn't he was it magnificent that one the best yeah. performances I've yeah. ever seen in an Everton shirt and it was just unbelievable he was box to box he was he bullied Manchester United and obviously Manchester United watched that scout yeah. and we're going to have to buy this fella he was unreal against Man City yeah, yeah, oh, yeah there was so, so many, yeah, so yeah. many. He, he was he was a great figure for Everton and, and obviously just signed that contract on Manchester United that I'd have him back at Everton and at Arpeet yeah I mean, the four-all game at Old Trafford, he was mm. the key player in that, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you remember the angst that was starting to butt in when uh, he got that stupid booking, which he did frequently, and missed uh, the Anfield derby, you know, it was the following week? You know, David Moyes was absolutely traumatised by that mm, because yeah. he was so important to the yeah, set-up. Yeah. As it was, it finished the draw and, and Everton did them in the replay. And that was, as I put out on social media on Friday, that I'm surprised how much stick he gets, that actually, as a player, um, you know, he's good technically, you know, used the ball well. He's a, you know, he's a big presence in both areas. Scores vital goals, and apparently he's really good in the dressing room as well, yeah. isn't he? And um, the, all the feedback I got agreed. Mm. You know, with that, you know, from from mostly from Evan fans, I didn't see a few Man United fans. I don't follow me anyway, but mm. agreed. And 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 it is too. I, I, I was I was trying to like if you compare that United game saying to those two games in 2012, where he was playing as a forward to playing a, like a defensive spoiler. Against Brazil, you know, there's not mm. many players who can, who can bully at one end of the pitch, central yeah. defenders, but then be a spoiler in front of your own back yeah. four. It's a, it, and, and also play get round the pitch as well. And I think he, he I, I still think he's had a wasted career. Do you think? Do you, do you think the issue for, for many supporters? With Fellaini is stylistically, he doesn't flow doesn't like, look a like a Freuder does or a Hazard. He's not mm. got pace. He's not got an amazing touch. You know. But as you said, he impacts football games. Yeah, you know, obviously, I think he's got a good. I was going to say good touch with a big man there, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he has got. I think he has got. Yeah. I think technically he is good. I think he's, as you say, because he's gangly. You know, you know the the, the, the great hair and stuff. He, he he does does look like a footballer, but hugely effective. I mean, that fir- first year, he was bought him as really like a defensive midfielder. I think mm. he thought he was going to be. And he ended up playing up front, didn't he, most of the season? Because yeah. the act, that, that's the getting booked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the act, the act, because the act got injured, didn't yeah. he? Um, and I think, yeah, I, I loved him at Evan. And if we did add him a year, remember, I think Moise's best team, oh seven, oh eight. If we did add Fellaini the year before, mm. I think we probably would have got in the top four. That and he played season. a crucial role as well as getting us to the cup finals, didn't he, in 09? Yeah, he yeah. Joined, yeah, yeah. The goal against Middlesbrough, wasn't yeah, in the it? Quarter final. Yeah. Um, if you look at his figures, he routinely covered more ground than any other player in the team, and mm. he still does now. You know, again, it doesn't look like he covers that much ground because of his body shape and his movements. But he does. He's one of the hardest working players mm. in any team. Uh, and I would have had him back in the heartbeat. Yeah, I fully agree. Absolutely no problem mm. in the summer. So that's the old. Before we get onto potentially what could be borrowed in Yerry Mina, uh, look at the new and new manager Marco Silva has his first game on Saturday when Everton take on ATV Erdning in Austria. Uh, Preno will provide a full lowdown of ATV <laughs> Erdning shortly. Um, no serious note. Uh, Tony, come to you first. 
It's the first game of pre-season. It's Marco Silva's first game. There will be rafts of changes. Probably 22 players involved, no doubt. One team first half, one team second. But what are you wanting to see from Everton? What are you expecting to see from this game? I'm expecting to see players who were on the fringe and on loan last season looking to come in and do a job and prove a lot of fans wrong. There's a lot of players, your best hitches of the world, your Morales and players who didn't live up to the bill last season, your Schneiderlands, Ashley Williams. I'm looking to see what they've got up their sleeve for this pre-season more than anything. And an intriguing one for me as well, I like to see it as formation straight away from the off I think a lot of Everton fans will be going let's see the formation he's going to play I know it's a pre-season friendly it's not the first game of the season but let's see his formation who he plays there and how we how we go at teams that's going to be interesting Brennan do you think we'll be able to read anything into team selections as I said there's probably going to be two one team first half one team second half but is the team in the first half at this stage Marco's preferred 11 if you like we'll be reading loads into it um, <laughs> you, you shouldn't but yeah it's just natural human instinct you will you know you'll see for argument's sake that first uh, starting lineup who's dragged off I mean let's not forget that Umani Asper was dragged off after 45 minutes of his first pre-season friendly under Ronald Koeman and was never seen again he made his mind up very very quickly so Marco Silva will be making judgments on players even now at this very early stage even out in the Austrian training camp he'll be looking at players and seeing what they're doing I'd like to see um, a, a dominant committed and enthusiastic performance from Morgan Schneidlin because I still think there's a player there that could do you know, a really good job for Everton and did for the first six months of his career and then was let's not put too fine a point on it was shameful you know, in, in what he produced you know, second half of his career but he can be a good player and you know, I'd like to think that you know, we can see you know, the, the Morgan Schneidlin mark one and you know, hopefully save a little bit of money in the transfer market on that one Gav, Prana says it is early, but the, the league season starts in a month. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we haven't got any players yet. Um, I'm with Tony on this. What Tony's saying, I just want to see his philosophy. I hate that word. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't. You sound like Roberto I, again, I, isn't I, he? I just want Keep to see... using it, Gav. Yeah. <laughs> it's not unique. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to see the way he sets up. Yeah. I'm not really too fussed on the individual's I'm, I'm really I'm saying that I'm really not too fussed on those individuals who are on the periphery really being being involved you know you said about Williams and Bessich and stuff like that I'd rather see the players who we think have got you know immediate futures at the club get the most game time though I can see the argument that if you want to sell somebody you want to get them fit and it's not just that Gogov he's been brought in to make these fringe players better footballers so obviously Moshiri brought him in going listen I've got a load of players here fringe players who are quite capable of being good players your job as a coach to make these better players I want to see them on the could team could be that working the for me you know, but there's, I don't want to talk transfers but you know, I want to see the players who are going to be there in the next two or three years that we know are going to be there given as much game time as possible is what I'd say but most of all, I'm looking to see what his formation is, and, and we spoke about before about organisation and stuff like that, Phil. And that's what that's what I want to see in pre-season full stop, really. Phil, would we read anything into any youngsters playing for their part of the se- for the coming season? Uh, what you know, the noise is coming out of Finch Farm um, in the last couple of days and the last week or so is that, that Marco wants to keep quite a lot of the young lads close to the squad. Um, you know, obviously the 23s are the 23s, and that looks bit, that's still a separate entity. But I think he's going to keep certainly the, the better of the younger players 
with the with the first team squad as much as possible. I don't think there's going to be too many going out on loan. So your players like your Joe Williams and Callum Connolly, I think at this stage the plan would be to keep them close so Marco can work with them. Um, I think that's that's the way he's looking at it. Anyway. So if we see it, maybe one or two of them in the starting lineup this weekend, then are we looking at it thinking, do you know what, he, he could play a part in it this season? I think I think they've all got to think that. I think it's a clean slate, isn't it? And yeah. I think if, if Marco's taken them to Austria, you know, these lads who could, in theory, drop into the 23 squad, like, you know, you've got, for example, uh, Brendan Galloway and Tyus Browning have gone with the 23. So that mm-hmm. would be... Uh, an indication of where they sit in the pecking order. Yeah. Whereas, as I said, you know, you got younger lads like Williams and Connolly, etc. Dow gone, Phil. Dow's gone with the first team. Yeah. So you know, that, that's a, a strong indication that Marco wants to work with them, wants to have a proper look before making any decision. But as I said, the noise is coming out of the club are that he wants to keep them close this season and, and maybe not send as many out on loan. Well, that's surely that's a concern when you look at how big Everton's squad is because you've got all them fringe players. And then obviously your classes, etc. And then a loads of players that came back on loan, and then youngsters. So they're going to be about thirty-five to forty players in that squad. There. Well, I think what you'll find is you might find that quite a, a chunk of twenty-threes players go out on loan. So those young players who sit, you sort of straddle both squads, you, your Dowels and your Connollys, etc., will effectively train with the first team, but might have to drop into the twenty-three yeah. squad for regular. Mm. I think that's how I think it's going to yeah, work yeah. in a minute. But we'll see in practice, of course. But. Yeah. Speaking of one young player, Preno, how do you how do you expect um, Adamola Luckman to be? Given that there's so much speculation about his future, Everton insists he's not for sale. RB's, RB Leipzig obviously remain interested. And reading between the lines, though, we've not had it confirmed, but the influence would be that because they keep bidding, they've been given a reason for encouragement to do so, and that he would be keen on going back to Germany. How do you think Adamola will be feeling? You know, how's he got to approach pre-season? It's it's a it's a daunting prospect for such a young lad, but you know he's showed that he's you know got quite a mature head on his shoulders. I mean, Ralph Rangnick's been a little bit naughty, I would suggest, you know, by suggesting that you know Adamola Luckman wants to join us. That's tapping up as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whether the lad is enthusiastic about going back to Germany or not, uh, it's up to Everton to try and convince him that he does have a part to play. Uh, in the club's future, I mean, Marcel Brands told us that you know he's you know enthusiastic about the lad. You know, he actually tried to sign him himself at PSV, and um, and wants him you know to to be a part of the Everton first team squad. Marco Silva is obviously going to give him that opportunity. And it's up to the player. Uh, you know, he was given opportunities to shine in Germany and took them. Um, he was given opportunities to start of last season at Everton and wasn't quite as convincing. But you know, he's still a very young boy. He's still learning the game. So it's up to him. I would hope that he's very very enthusiastic about the opportunities that are going to be given to him because you know if he's already made his mind up that he wants to go back to Germany what's the point of anybody you know so giving him any opportunities uh, we don't know really until we get the opportunity to see the lad in action and maybe speak to him ourselves uh, but you know there's clearly a talent in there clearly they believe there's a talent in there and they're going to give him that chance to see if he can grab it I think this is a case of if he does if he is unhappy and he wants to go to Germany I, I feel as if it's a case of the mismanagement between the last two managers with Allardyce and Unsworth and maybe even to go to the certain extent Ronald Koeman the way he's being managed and left on his own young lad coming up from London probably sitting in an hotel on his own away from his family and he's thinking what's going on here I'm not getting a game as well so why not go and try my hands abroad so now it's a case of where he's come back and he's liked what he's done so well, I want a, want a bit of that I want to play in, obviously against the best teams I want to play against your Bayern Munich of the world so you can't you can't take that away from them 
now that's what's happened now is because the mismanagement between the last couple of managers. Now it's up to Marco Silva and Marcel Brand to go, by the way, you're our number one. Now you're in the starting lineup. Forget about what's happened. You're not going to be on the fringe. If you have to bring your mates up from London, so be it. He just seems to be a little bit. I look at his Instagram and his, obviously his Twitter following, etc. And he just looks as if he's not happy. For the young lads as well, I think he, he may have been mismanaged along the way. And for the young lads to come away from London on your own, I feel as if he needs a little bit of an arm round his shoulder. And I hope he gets that from Marcel Brandon Silva. And is it an either or case with him and Nikola Vlasic? I mean, the reason I throw him up is because, you know, Everson put that Facebook video out of uh, yeah. the players training in Austria. I noticed he scored the, uh, the only goal that was showed. And, you know, again, he looked arguably, you know, ahead of Luckman in the pecking order last season and, you know, scored, you know, his, his first mm. goal and, you know, got, got a few opportunities and then for some, some reason was bombed out again. Um, and, and to me, he looks probably slightly readier for first-team football than maybe Luckman. Do you think but, so, but, Yeah, I, from what I saw last season. But then, you know, can you afford to have, you know, sort of two might-be players, you know, yeah. in the same first-team setup? Do you have to make a decision one or the other? I don't know. Just I, I love Luckman. Yeah. From what I've seen of him, I think he's so raw, but he's got lots of ability that had frightened lots of defenders this forecoming season. Listen, turn to Merseyside's Harvey on his own. Got through one. Had Liverpool up the wall, and, and Everton should have went on to win that game. What a Europa League match on his own as well. I, listen, he's got. I, for me, I put him sitting in the first team. I throw an arm around his shoulders and say, "Listen, you're going forward. You're in the team every week." Well, of course, that Europa League game that you speak of, Tony, the goal scorers were Luckman and Vlasic. So, yeah. Gav, you want to make a point? <laughs> no, I'd, I'd, I'd say about Luckman, I'd, I'd, I'd need to keep him. To be honest with you, um, notwithstanding if he's, he's not happy. Um, and I said this before on the pod if Silva wants to play 4-3-3 I see that left left wing burst being ideal for him compared to playing 4-2-3-1 he's got to play a little bit deeper and you can just basically say like park him up park him up the, the top ends of the pitch and you know um, and express himself as they say now but <laughs> no you use the ability that he's got which I don't think in 4-2-3-1 is necessarily mm. see when he's playing deep uh, and I would definitely uh, keep him, but as you say, like you know, there's there's a few whispers, isn't it? Which is slightly worrying. Mm. Express yourself. It's one on one, girl. Yeah. I- <laughs> 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 um, so let's move on to players that could be coming to Everton as opposed to could be leaving. Um, Preno on Sunday emerged that Everton had walked away from. Very preliminary talks with Celtic over a deal for Kieran Tierney. Uh, the football club, their valuation is significantly different to that of Celtic's. Um, is this the last we've heard of it? I suspect not. I mean, uh, from what we, we were hearing, Brendan Rodgers was absolutely loving the fact that you know Sir Everton wanted to sign one of his uh, young talents and you know, was keen to drive as hard a bargain as possible. And I can understand why Everton have walked away they ended up last summer with an awful lot of players that were clearly overpriced. Uh, Davy Klassen came for you know a large sum of money and didn't look for one second like justifying that transfer fee. Sanjo Ramirez, okay, we got him for an absolute bargain, but as a result of getting him from that bargain fee, he got a huge salary, uh, which is going to make it very difficult to move him on, you know, so elsewhere. So you can understand why Everton have taken a look at some of the de- signings of last summer and thought, well, hang on, we're not going to fall into the same trap again. What do you think these players are worth? Kieran Tierney's not played outside of Scotland. He looks bright in that environment. But, you know, you want to see players play in Champions League football, maybe, before you'll make a call 
on you know whether he can hack it at a Premier League level. And so they've got a, a figure in mind, and 25 million is not that figure. And I can understand why they have walked away. It's a little bit frustrating. You can understand why fans get a bit wound up, and you know oh, another you know player missed out on. But equally, you don't want to be filling your squad full of players that might be a success, uh, and and basically don't be. Uh, you know, if a player has already done at a Premier League level or at top leagues in Europe, yeah, you will push the boat out for them in terms of transfer fees. Gilfie Sigurdsson, you could argue he was overpriced, but you knew he was going to fit into the yeah. Premier League yeah. and he has done. So, you know, you'll pay over the odds for players like that. Players that haven't quite done it yet, you've got to be a little bit more circumspect. So is, is Davy Klassen the absolutely prime example of why Everton are not willing to pay the selling club's asking price for Kieran Tierney? Because Davy Klassen... We assume we we did pay what Ajax wanted, yeah. 23.6 million. He also came from what you would describe as an inferior league, much similar to Scotland with all the respect in yeah. the world. Is that why Everton now, in the change of policy, if you like, is saying to Celtic, we're not playing that game anymore. We've got a valuation of what we believe he's worth and we'll pay that. If you think he's worth more, then fine, we'll walk away. Yeah, I think he is. I think Davy Klassen is going to be the example of every sign and that we make this season because I look at it and every single week we're going to be talking about transfers, etc. Davy Klassen's name is going to pop up all the time because he is going to be the example of why why we shouldn't pay this amount or example. But I look at there's two sides to look at this. Everton are well within the nice to say, you know what? As I was just said, 25 million for a young lad hasn't kicked a ball outside the SPL, not paying it. But if you look at it thinking, if he's going to be Leighton Baines' long-term cover, 25 million in this day and age is a drop in the ocean. And if you're thinking on paying, say for argument's sake, 15 million, well, if he's if you think he's that good, well, obviously pay the 10 before a Tottenham come in and take him off you. So uh, there's two ways of looking at it. For uh, Listen, you don't know how good he's going to be. For every Aidan McGeady, there's a Virgil van Dijk coming out to Celtic. So you just don't, you can't, it's difficult to weigh it up. Me personally, I'd pay it. Because even if even if he doesn't perform well, he's still a young lad and he's got time on his side. Whereas in the likes of, if you're buying someone who's obviously 28, 29 and you're still paying that amount of money for you know, there's not, not a bit of sell-on. I think someone will take a chance on Kieran Tierney if he weren't successful at Everton. Whereas if you're buying someone who's 27, 28, they're not. Agree, Gav? Yeah, um, Gavin's agreeing me with no, a lot today. Not, not, not necessarily with you, might be <laughs> Dano. <laughs> no, I, I think I think to me, is it is it a bit of a confidence thing that actually shown blatant a bit of confidence there that actually, you know, we still think he can do a job. So mm. we don't necessarily need a left back, but I think there's maybe a little bit of grandstanding going on, a bit of bit of, uh, bit, of bit of poker going on here in terms of this transfer. I don't think we've heard the last of it. Um, but I do, I do think that lessons have been learned from that last season, uh, and I suspect that you know that there may be a, a smaller fee involved if if he did move. Um, but I, there is this concern, isn't it, that it's a, it's a lot of money, even if you get it at lower than twenty five million for the player who's not Premier League proven, um, and that that that's also also risk. Um, so. And it goes back to this balance of the squad again, doesn't it? You then, you know, you you then got two left backs, ones twenty one and ones or whatever. Tierney's thirty three. Bates is thirty four this year, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Tierney's what twenty one. Twenty one. You got two left backs, one 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 thirty four and one twenty one, which is not ideal. Um, so, Gav, do you I think? Sorry, do you think Baines has got thirty eight games in him next no. season? So you've got to, you're going to have to do something about it. No, absolutely. But whether you want to spend twenty five million quid for the privileges is a different it's, it's thing. It's buttons in this when, day. When you bear in mind Liverpool got Andy Robertson for eight, 
Yeah. And, you know, so yeah. the, the difference he's made to their squads. I, there I, are it, players out there with experience. Yeah, yeah. Experience it might also depend on the other transfers that come in and out of the club as well, mm. with what, what money's freed up or, you know, how, how you see the balance of the squad. So um, it may be that if it does happen, it may be late on. Another player who Everton are targeting who doesn't have Premier League experience is obviously Yeri Mina. Um, we understand that the club are in talks but remain some way off striking a deal. So, as it stands, Preno, we're still without a transfer into the football club. Um, uh, transfer window shuts uh, four weeks tomorrow at 5pm. Are you starting to get a bit jittery? No, because there is still uh, a lot of time to go. Um, we know that, you know, investigations and talks have taken place. I mean, the Yerry Mina one is an interesting one. We know that Everton wants a centre-back. We know that they've had talks with Barcelona. I think the issue could be convincing the player that it's a good idea, you know, to leave La Liga and uh, come to the Premier League. But often, you know, Barcelona decide a player surplus to requirements. It just happens anyway. You know, they'll, they'll move the guy on. Uh, but he would be, you know, an, an interesting signing. Uh, it's undoubted that we need at least two or three new faces. You'd probably argue more... But you then fall into the trap of what happened last summer. Just, you know, so many new faces, so difficult to integrate into the squad and into the team. But, you know, clearly, there are, you know, from what we're hearing, they've identified the back four or back five as the areas they want to focus on first as a priority, which is why Yerry Mina, which is why Kieran Tierney, you know, being the first names that are being discussed. And I think we'll be seeing, you know, more in that area of the pitch, you know, focused on bring them in, you know, get the back four, back five sorted out, then you can think about a little bit further forward. So, no, I'm, I'm not concerned yet. So, you know, there's still a long way to go. Um, you'd be more concerned if it got to, like, you know, the final week and there were still no new faces then, you know, because, you know, it is time to do the old dad's army, you know, don't panic. Um, <laughs> but, you know, not, not yet, not yet. It's still early days. Tony Everton are in a shrinking band of Premier League clubs who have yet to make a signing. Um, you were just doing a little bit of the... Uh the research before. Can you tell us who Everton are in, in a group with? There's not many, is there? You've got Tottenham and Fulham and Chelsea. Burnley, Burnley, Burnley one, that's yeah. it. Yes, yeah, so the one of five. I look at it and I, I sat on these now two or three weeks ago when I was concerned then. I'm even more concerned now. First game of the season kicks off in four weeks' time. No one through the door. I think we touched on about five or six players have left Finch Farm. Obviously, Rob Les has gone, Rooney's gone, Funes Mori's gone, a couple of the young lads went out on loan. So we're looking at it now and thinking, we need a left-back, no doubt about it, we need a left-back before the season starts, we need a number two goalkeeper, straight away, we need a centre-back, and it depends what you're doing with Morgan Schneider, and you're going to need a midfielder, and I think we need a centre-forward as well, so you're looking at the best part of four or five plays we need there, and that's before you start shipping plays out the door, can you do all that in the space of four weeks? I, I'm concerned. I am concerned because we, I know the the Rooney's. It's a different debate, but he's a very creative player and one that was not in terms of successful last season. But he top was probably the, yeah, top scorer. Very creative last season in terms of what we had on the pitch. Who's can, who's who's going to create anything out that team next season? I look at it. I, I think personally, I think we're short on numbers in quite a few key areas of the pitch, and I am concerned. Yeah, with four weeks to go. Gavi, are you are you? Um would you be unduly concerned if the focus remained on trimming the squad rather than bringing players in? As it seems it yeah, is at this yeah, stage. Yeah, Th- there's a balance to be struck there, isn't it? Um, I think we, I think the squad needs to be trimmed, so I think that's definitely the priority. But go back to what Marco said when he first came in, did he say three signs? Did he, was, it, was that the word he said? Something like that? Maybe more quality rather than quantity. 
and I think that's what I'd like to see. But um, I, 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 what Tony said is, is like there's, there's still, notwithstanding you know um, all that, regardless what our transfer strategy, there's still three or four areas of the pitch we are definitely need yeah, definitely. reinforcements. Eventually, whether that happen in August, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. But um, I think that I think trim the squad and get the organisation and, and and the the team pattern right is the is, is the priorities for me. But with one or two players as well. Excellent chaps. Well, it was uh, lively again, and no extra lively as we talked about uh, Mr. Martinez. He <laughs> <laughs> continues to divide and cause debate two years on from last time he was at the football club, but nevertheless remains a talking point. We talked about the new man, Michael Silva, and signings, lack of signings, ins and outs. So thank you very much for joining us and listening to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.